welcome to this Remembrance Day service. Uh, different to other years because we didn't have a parade this year because of this pandemic. That, but we're hoping that next year we're back to normal. Just hoping against hope, maybe. Um, uh, one announcement. We will have a Guild Coffee morning next Saturday between 10 and 11.30 in St. Mary's Hall. And everyone is welcome to that, to support our guild and the wonderful projects that they do throughout the year and throughout the world. Please, could you come to coffee afterwards, after the service today, down in St. Mary's Hall? Everyone is welcome that, to that as well, and we get a chance to catch up with each other. We come to worship God, and we worship God with our first hymn, a traditional hymn for Remembrance Day. It's the hymn, O God, Our Help in Ages Past. Can we please stand as the flags come in and as we sing together? Let us approach God in prayer. Let's pray together. On this day of memory, we gather to sing and to pray. We've, we're going to... Uh, our prayer is responsive, so I will say the leader's part, and if you will say the together part. Can we have that up on the screen? On this day of memory, we gather to sing and to pray. We remember the past and look to the future. On this day when the guns once fell silent, we come before you, God, seeking your peace. On this day of hope in the face of terror, we come before you, God, praying with all our hearts. God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, help us to find the path that leads to peace in your kingdom. Open our eyes and the eyes of the nations. Agreement of life in this world. In this time of reflection, song, and prayer, may we be recommitted to being people of peace, true peace. May we catch a vision of how the world could live together. And so we echo the old prayers. Make us channels of your peace. Let us be peace on earth, and let it begin with us. And we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught all his followers. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I wonder if you noticed the gravestones as you were making your way to church this morning. And I wonder if you've ever wandered around a graveyard and and read 
what's written on the gravestones. There are many, many fascinating stories behind what is written on gravestones, and there are many mysteries, especially in our graveyard here in Bigger. I wonder if you've ever seen a gravestone with this inscription on it, with these words written on it, known unto God. When these words are inscribed, when they're written on a gravestone, they're usually inscribed at the very bottom along the ground. So you you might miss them. You probably won't see any gravestones with these words inscribed on them here in Bigger or indeed in the UK. You'd have to go to Europe or the Far East to find one with these words on it, known unto God. You see, these are words inscribed on a gravestone of a soldier who was killed and whose identity was unknown, an unknown soldier. Usually when we erect a gravestone, it's to remember someone, and we inscribe their name there for other people to see and to remember them too, just as we're remembering them. But when a soldier dies and his or her body can't be identified, they write these words, known unto God. It's a very sad thing for a soldier to die unidentified. No one's able to remember them. No one, that is, except God. They are known only to God. Now that's a sad thought, but actually the fact that someone is known to God is really, really good news, both for people living like you and me and for people who have died and who have trusted in God. The inscription known unto God I don't know if you you know, but it originated with Rudyard Kipling. Have you heard the name Kipling before? Have you seen that movie, The Jungle Book? Well, that was a book that was written by Rudyard Kipling. He was a famous poet and author. He wrote, he came up with this inscription, Known Unto God, while he was working with the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. And the commission accepted his idea of inscribing these words, known unto God, on the gravestones of unknown soldiers, precisely because being known by God is such good news. According to the Bible, too, to be known by God is, in fact, the best thing there is. I'd like for us to look at three passages of Scripture this morning that will help us to see just why it is being known by God is such a good thing. Stephen Monk is going to come and bring us our first reading.
Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even if the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Now, each of the three passages of Scripture that we're looking at this morning gives us not only words that tell us how God knows us, but they also give us a picture. And the first picture, picture in this passage that Stephen kindly read is the picture of a sparrow. There you see it on the screen. What is it about a sparrow that Jesus in this passage wants us to know? Well, Jesus says that sparrows are pretty common. This is a a house sparrow. But in the Bible, the word translated sparrow can mean any small bird. Jesus says that in the market in his day, these small birds were sold two for a penny. To people, according to Jesus, sparrows aren't worth a great deal. People don't take much notice of sparrows. But Jesus says, God, unlike humans, looks out for sparrows. Not one of them falls to the ground without God caring that it falls. God, in fact, cares about everything that he's made in this world. In creation, God said the things that he made were good, and that includes sparrows. Jesus goes on to say that not only does God know every sparrow when it falls, but that God has also counted every hair on your head. Imagine that. God cares so much about you that he knows every detail of your life, even the number of hairs on your head. And finally, in the passage, Jesus says that to God, you, you are worth more than many sparrows. Even though God cares and knows about sparrows, he knows us, people made in his image according to the Bible, each and every one of us. He cares for us. He cares about what happens to us in this life, and he continues to care for us even when we die. So, an unidentified soldier is not only known to God, but cared for by God too. So that is the sparrow, a symbol that God cares for even the littlest. And he cares for us who are worth more than many sparrows. Now, before we go on to the next passage, we're going to sing again together. The hymn that we're going to sing is a Scottish paraphrase. That means it's a translation of a bit of the Bible into poetry. It was translated in 1756. So the language is just a a little bit old, but it is beautiful. It is a translation of a passage of Scripture. It speaks of the world that God promises to bring to earth, a world where 
people will no longer wage war, a world where weapons that kill will be melted down and be made into tools that help. It's a hymn that we often sing today on Remembrance Day. It is the hymn, Behold the Mountain of the Lord. Let's stand. Katrina Hockey is going to come and bring us our second reading. Katrina, you can take off your mask. That's fine. A psalm of David. God, you've kept track of my every tossing turn through the sleepless nights. Each tear you have kept in your bottle, each ache you have written in your book. The picture that we get for this second passage is a picture of a bottle. A bottle where tears are kept. Imagining, imagine crying so much that you would fill a bottle like this, but I, th- I think a lot of us do cry that many tears, at least in our lifetime. I wonder what you would say about the person who wrote this psalm. Is he or she a happy person? What do you think? Happy or sad? I think sad, don't you? He or she can't sleep. He or she tosses and they turn. They are worried and they are in pain. Look, it says that he or she cries tears and has aches. I don't know about you, but when I'm worried or when I'm in pain, I can't sleep either. The Bible tells us this psalm, this poem, was written by David. When it was written, David was on the run. He was running away. He was running away from King Saul, who was chasing after him. King Saul wanted to kill David, and David had to find shelter with the Philistines. I don't know if you've heard of the Philistines, but uh, they were pretty nasty people, and they didn't like David either. The Philistines abused David, and they made fun of him. David's tears and David's aches in this poem and this psalm are all about that time in his life when he was being chased by Saul on the one hand and abused by the Philistines on the other. But David, in the end of this psalm, takes comfort that God keeps his tears in a bottle. Keeps his tears in a bottle. Sorry, I lost my place. Sorry about that. God keeps his tears in a bottle and he writes down his aches in a book. Now that's a poetic way of saying that God knows David's troubles. 
And God won't ever forget those troubles that David has gone through. David knows that God is just. And what that means is that in the end, God will do the right thing for David. God will punish all the harm that was done to David. And God will mend all the broken things in David's life. Because God knows that, because David knows that God is just and won't let people get away with their bad deeds, David can lie down and go to sleep. David doesn't need to get even with his enemies, neither Saul nor the Philistines. God's going to get even for him. God will always do the right thing. David can trust that everything will be okay in the end. And we can trust that too. So there, that's our second picture, the picture of a bottle symbolizing that God knows us and he knows everything that we suffer. And in the end, God will put everything to rights if we trust him. We can rest in that promise. He will put things to right for us. Now, Will's going to come and read our third reading. Will Sutherland. From Psalm 103, verses 8 to 12. God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold, nor hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrong. As high as heaven is over the earth, so strong is uh, his love to those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Wonderful. Thank you, Will. You can go back to doing the sound. The third and the last picture that I see in this passage of scripture is a compass. Do you know what a compass is? I was given this by the leader of the Explorer Scouts. I was given it to help me keep my way in this world. The passage, this passage too, is a psalm of David. And I wonder if if David didn't write this psalm in the later years of his life. I wonder if he didn't write it after he's been through lots of troubles. And as a soldier, after he has fought many battles, after he's won some and lost many. At this point, through all David's experience, David's come to understand God better than he ever did before. And here is one thing that David came to understand, that we are known by God. God knows our every thought. He knows everything you've ever done. I wonder if that fact scares you. It certainly scares me. There are many thoughts that I have thought and things that I have done that I am not proud of at all. 
And if God is just like we heard about in the last passage, then God should punish me for all those bad thoughts and all those bad deeds that I have ever thought or I have ever done. And in his life, David did some really bad stuff. Remember that story of Bathsheba. David wasn't a saint. At this point, David should have been afraid of God after all the bad things that he had done. David should have been running away from God and and not singing his praises as he does here in this psalm. But David does sing God's praises. What's going on? Why is he doing that if God is a just God? Well, David realizes just who God is. Yes, God knows David through and through. God knows the bad stuff that's in his heart and the evil things that he has done in his life. And yet, and yet, God loves him. God loves him all the same. What does David say in this psalm? God is sheer mercy and grace. God is rich in love. God doesn't hold a grudge. God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. As far as the east is from the west, God has removed our sins from us. What David is saying is that God forgives. God forgives. But how can God be both just giving people what they deserve, as we saw in that last passage that Katrina kindly read for us. How can he be just and be forgiving to overlook our sin? To understand that, we need to look to another picture that we don't have on the screen this morning, but the picture of a cross that we see everywhere, especially around the church. What the cross means is that Jesus, who was God, just God, took on our punishment. What the cross says is that God died in our place. He died for our sin. He was punished because of our wicked thoughts and evil deeds. By doing that, By God dying in our place, it shows that God is both just and forgiving. So, the picture I get from this passage is of a compass. As far as the east, there's east, is from the west, there's west. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us. God knows us. He knows our sins, yet he forgives them in his love. And that is good news. Okay, coming back to the sparrow. Okay, you've all were given a sparrow. You remember, can we have the words out there? You remember these words were the words of Jesus. Not a sparrow falls outside your father's care. 
Now, it's significant that these words are words spoken by Jesus. You see, Jesus was a sparrow that fell. Jesus was hung on a cross. Jesus was crushed by the sin and the hate and the violence in our world. The only name that Jesus was given at that time was what his executioners wrote across the top of his cross, mocking him as the king of the Jews. Jesus didn't have his name on his gravestone. Jesus was a fallen sparrow, like so many unnamed soldiers who died on battlefields the world over. But because this sparrow, the Son of God, who became a human being, fell, because he fell and he took on our fallenness, and because three days later he rose from the dead, because of this, we, all us sparrows, all those who have fallen in our world, also have the hope of rising again if we trust in what Jesus did for us. Fallen sparrows will rise. I love that act of remembrance that we, we went through just a few minutes ago. I love it because at the end of the silence, there is the revalier to wake the soldiers up. The trumpet blows to wake us up. The Bible says at the last day, the trumpet shall blow and the dead shall rise. That is what we do in that act of remembrance. We're remembering that the dead will rise because of what the sparrow Jesus did for us. Fallen sparrows will rise because in God's great love, none is forgotten. None is outside the Father's care. Now, you all have been given a silhouette of a sparrow. We spent many hours (laughs) putting these together and writing on them, known unto God. Under that writing, there is a label. And I'm going to ask you to write a name on them. Can I ask you to write the name of someone that you are remembering today on Remembrance Day? It could be someone who died in war, someone who was a soldier who passed away, someone who died in this pandemic, or someone else that you're particularly missing today. Can I ask you to write their name? Now, since I put these together, I got to have four of them, okay? My four folks are people in our community who died just recently. There's Eddie. Eddie was a soldier and a musician, just like David was. And there is... There is David. David was a a tank captain in the Vietnam War, David Barnes, who passed away just this last year. 
And then there's my good friend Charles Ritchie, who also passed away just recently. Charles spent his whole life as, as a soldier. And then there's Frida, whose um, funeral we had just this last week. Frida was a wren in the Navy during World War, World War II. And I'm sure there are many, many other folks that you want to remember today. So please do write their names on your cards there. As you write, we're going to sing a song, a song that speaks of the fact that God knows us through and through. Let's sing together the song, He Knows My Name. And Sparrows. take those sparrows away, no matter how beautiful they are and you'd like to take them away, I want you to leave them here in church. You see, there's another psalm that speaks of the sparrow finding a home. Can we have that up on the screen, please? It speaks of a sparrow finding a home in God's house. So by keeping the sparrows here in church, we're going to remind ourselves that God desires for all his sparrows, fallen and still very much alive like you and me, God desires all his sparrows to come and live in his presence, not just here in church, but God is everywhere. God's house is everywhere. God desires that we come and live in his presence and know his love and compassion for us forever. So as you leave this morning, could you put your sparrows along with your offerings there in that silver plate as you go out the door? But for now, let's pray together. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you that you care for the least and the lost, that you care even when a sparrow falls. 
Thank you that you know our pain, that you promise to put all injustice to rights. And thank you that though you know our sin, in Christ Jesus you offer us compassion, forgiveness, and a chance to start anew. Lord, today we particularly pray for veterans of war. Let them know that they are valued. We pray for servicemen and women presently serving in our armed forces. May their training equip them to do their jobs well with professionalism, compassion, and restraint. We pray, too, for the victims of war, both combatants and civilians. We pray for those who have lost loved ones, limbs, livelihoods, and sanity. Heal all wounds, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Lord God, bring recovery and renewal for individuals, for families, communities, and nations that have suffered because of conflict. And today we pray for organizations that are dedicated to helping our veterans, like the Poppy Appeal. We also pray for relief and development agencies that come to the aid of those in war-torn places and try to pick up the pieces in conflict's aftermath. We ask for your inspiration, courage, and continued compassion for them. And finally, we pray for ourselves. Lord God, keep us ever mindful of your care. Help us to trust in you. Trust in the fact that you see our tears and our pain. Trust in the fact that you are sheer mercy and grace, that you are rich in love, that you don't hold a grudge. And trust in the fact that you have made a home for us in our Father's house. And we, like the sparrow, need never be homeless. Pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.